We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Acts chapter 1. We begin this message two weeks ago. It's entitled, The Gift or the Giver. And I asked you two weeks ago, which is more important, the gifts the Holy Spirit gives to us or the Holy Spirit himself? Which is more important, that demonstrable work of God or God himself? Because many times in today's church, we've got things a little bit backward. And we place much more emphasis upon the gift than we do on the giver. We forget that everything we have, everything we possess, every gift from God flows through His Holy Spirit. And if we don't recognize that and keep that priority in our lives, then we soon find ourselves walking down paths and trails that we don't want to go down. We find ourselves following false teachings and false doctrines and false preachers because we place the emphasis upon the gift rather than upon the giver. So this morning, I want to bring you back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the words of Jesus just before ascending into heaven. This is what he said to his apostles, literally his last words on planet earth. He said, and after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. That was his last words to his church to his 120, and by extension, to you and I today. So when we hear that and recognize that this was what was on his heart, this was his priority to reach the world for Jesus Christ, shouldn't that be our priority as well? Shouldn't that be our driving mission as well? Shouldn't be that what consumes us as it consumed him that day so many, many years ago? So when we talk about the gifts of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 says it this way. Matter of fact, if you're unfamiliar with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, go to 1 Corinthians. I said second. Try 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But don't just read chapter 12. Read chapter 13. Because chapter 13 gives you the context of how the gifts operate. And chapter 13 tells you if you are operating from love, you're nothing more than a brass symbol just making a bunch of noise. And then go into chapter 14 because it tells you about the priority of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it tells you the priority is to point men to Jesus Christ. So anytime we see gifts operating that don't fulfill that priority and that purpose, then we understand we're placing more value on the gift than we place on the giver. So I want you to read those three chapters of Scripture later today. But one verse right now, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, says it this way. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. And we talked about two weeks ago that many times we think that gift becomes ours when given to us by the Holy Spirit. It is not yours. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit He gives to you to empower you, to equip you to do the work of the ministry and to point Jesus, men to Jesus Christ. It is not your gift. It is His gift. The Scripture clearly says He distributes to every man as He wills. It's a work of God. It's an act of God. <clears throat> so when we talk about the gifts of God, let's go back and get some Old Testament background. In the Old Testament, we didn't hear about gifts of the Holy Spirit or gifts of God, but rather we heard about people being anointed by the Holy Spirit. 
Probably the greatest example of that you'll find in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 12 through 13, where Samuel went to anoint a new king over Israel. And he looked at all of the sons of, of this farmer in Bethlehem. And they were big, they were strong, they were robust, but God said, nah, none of them. And then God said to him, don't look on the outward appearance, because I look on the heart. And then he said to Jesse, the father of these sons, is this all your boys? Don't you have any more? And he said, well, no, there's one more, David. He's out in the fields tending the sheep. Go get him. We're not going to sit down. We're going to stop until he comes. And when David walked in, God said to Samuel, that's the one. Anoint him. And then you can look at in the scripture, verse 13 says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. From that day on, from that time of anointing, from that time of endowment, from that time of spiritual impartment, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Now think with me. The reason David was anointed, the reason David was empowered, was to equip him to do a job. His job, his role, his commission was to be the next king of Israel. It would be years before he stepped into that place. But God, at that moment in time, empowered him to fulfill that call and that commission. Some of you in this room need to understand, God has already touched your life. He has already anointed, empowered you. He's already gifted you. It's time to step up and to step in to that place and that calling. It's time to do what God has asked you to do, empowered you to do, equipped you to do, to reach men for Jesus Christ. You see, we're living in a day in our culture when culture is constantly confronting and clashing with Christianity. The values of the Bible are ridiculed on a daily basis. Listen to me and listen to me closely. God is looking for men and women who will say, I've been anointed, I've been gifted, I've been empowered so that I can stand in an evil day and declare the word that points men to Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about preachers. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about folks that sit on church pews and church seats every single week. Oh, come on, church. It's time to take our Christianity beyond a Sunday morning experience to where the empowerment, the endowment, the gifting of God flows through us every single moment of every single day. And when we're confronted with the enemy, we don't back down. We don't bow down. We don't turn our tail and run. But we stand in the power of the Holy Spirit and bring the relief and deliverance. That's what God's looking for today. He's looking for believers who will say, I want to be one of those. If you're in this room this morning and you want to be one of those, would you just raise your hand and say, God, here I am. God, here I am. God, don't overlook me. God, don't pass me by. Here I am. I want to be one of those. I want to be one of those. Endue me with powerful but high. Make me that kind of a Christian that I can confront the enemy and see him bow to the power of God that is within me. David was anointed to equip him for the role he was about to fulfill. You want to think about this with me? Why is it that in all of Israel, when Goliath was mocking Israel and the God of Israel, only David stood to challenge him? None of 
the armies of Israel. None of the men in the army. Even King Saul refused to challenge him. Why is it that only David did that? Why is it that only David was so offended in his spirit at the mocking and the taunting of Goliath that he said, I'll go fight him? Why is it? Why is that? Let me tell you why it is. Because previously, Samuel had came to his farm outside of Bethlehem. He had anointed him. And with that anointing, there was an equipping and an empowering. So that when that challenge came, he stood. He said, there is a cause. There is a reason. There is God to defend and hold up. Oh, somebody hear me this morning. He's equipped you to do more than just sit on a church pew. He's equipped you to point men and women to Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't have a dynamic testimony of great salvation out of drugs and alcohol or moral perversion. I don't care. If you are saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, if the Holy Ghost of God lives in you, you have a word to speak. And it's a word of victory. It's a word that overcomes. It's a word that defeats the enemy. Oh, come on, church of the living God. Rise to your feet and be empowered by the Holy Ghost from on high. Be gifted by God to change our world for Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, God anointed people. In the New Testament, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, God gifts people. It's the anointing that brings the gift. You need to understand that. But it's the gift of God working in you and through you that brings great miracles and points men to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, according to Jesus in Acts 1.8, comes upon us for what reason? Empowering us to be witnesses. To be witnesses. Now listen, this is where I'm going this morning. I want you to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are not there to make you rich and famous. They're not there so people can say, wow, did you see what he or she just did? The reason the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate in mortal people like you and me is to point men to Jesus Christ. And if there's any other purpose, it's a subversion of the gift of God. If you're trying to build your own ministry, if you're trying to build your reputation, if you're trying to convince people how wonderful and powerful and mighty you are, it's a perversion of the gifts of God. The reason the Holy Spirit releases gifts in men and women like you and me is to point people to Jesus Christ. That is the only reason. We need to understand that. The only reason to point people to Jesus Christ. Jesus said you will be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Listen to me. Too many Christians have sat in churches all their life, heard messages like this and say, but it doesn't apply to me. I'm a powerless believer. I'm here to tell you this morning, if the Holy Spirit has touched your life, if He has filled your vessel, if He resides in you to that place of overflowing, there are no powerless believers. You are filled with power from on high. And it's a power to rebuke the darkness, to hold back the enemy, to command sickness and disease to be gone, to see blind eyes open, to see sicknesses healed, and to point men to Jesus Christ. See, here's the problem. We want the signs before we follow the giver. What did Mark, Jesus say in the book of Mark, chapter 16? And these signs shall follow them that believe. 
You see, we want the signs before we have the giver moving and operating and powerful in our lives. Doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that Do you realize that Jesus said on that day, there will be those who say to me, but we cast out demons in your name. We healed the sick in your name. And what is he going to say to them? Depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. Why? Because they valued the gift more than the giver. Oh, come on, folks, hear me. It's not about the gifts of the Holy Ghost. It's about the Holy Ghost moving in our lives. If we can get that principle straight, if we can make God our priority and the Holy Spirit the function of who we are and why we are here, then he takes control and we don't have to worry about it. But when the giver is not the priority, then all we look at is the gift. All we look at is what we do or don't see. Listen, I hear, I want you to understand this morning that God wants us to get past looking at what we see and looking at what we don't see. He wants us to see the giver moving in and through our lives. You see, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to minister for God beyond our natural capabilities. There's a lot of things you can never do in and of yourself. Got news for you. You can't heal anybody. Got news for you, you can't save anybody. Got news for you, there's a lot of things you can't do because of your physical limitations. But listen to me, get a hold of this. When you're full of the Holy Ghost of God, physical limitations are no longer boundaries or borders that hold you back, but they became a doorway, a pathway of access for the Holy Ghost to walk down. And when He walks through your limitation and He empowers you from on high, then things that you have never seen will occur because the giver is moving in your life. You can do a lot more than you think you can do if you'll submit to the power of the Holy Spirit. If you allow him to flow in your life. Yvonne had never ridden a motorcycle for 500 miles in one day. She did it twice this past two weeks. I mean, what a trooper. Great job. It's amazing. Doing what you don't think you can do. Come on, folks. We've got to get beyond the limitations of our own mind, our own body, our own experience, and recognize we serve a limitless God. And when we flow in him. When the Holy Spirit flows through us, then we see things we thought impossible occurring on a regular basis. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, I've referred to this several times throughout the month of May. If you haven't been here every Sunday, we're kind of on a theme here. And the theme is the church is to be a witness, to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19, Jesus stands in the synagogue and he declares these things from the scrolls of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, so many of us say, oh yeah, I'm so glad he came to do that. Do you understand that's your ministry too? That's your calling too. No, I'm not a preacher. We get hung up on that first thing, to preach the year of the Lord. The Lord is on me to preach good news. We get hung up on that English word that is preach. But if you look at that in the original language, the word really means to announce, to tell somebody good news. 
I'm here to tell you, you can announce it in the workplace. You can announce it in your home. You can announce it in the neighborhood. You can announce it out on Main Street. You can announce it every Wednesday when we have 100 or 200 people in here receiving food, free food through our food pantry. Can I just say, we need some folks to come and minister to those people every Wednesday. If you're free on Wednesday morning, come on in. Because the people that are coming in are desperate, they're lost, they're hurting, and they need a life. They need Jesus. So if you would step up, that would be greatly appreciated. It's an opportunity to be a light in that darkened place. So we understand it's not about preaching, it's about telling somebody the good news. And when you open your mouth, you say, well, I'm too shy, I don't know what to say. Well, let me tell you something, when you open your mouth under the influence of the Spirit of God, He gives you the words to say. It's an amazing thing. It's wild the way it happens, what God does in you when you submit to Him. Secondly, he says, he has sent me to be a spirit-filled messenger to proclaim freedom for prisoners. There's a lot of folks living in prisons. You know that, right? And I don't mean that they're behind walls and barbed wire. There's a lot of people living in prisons of alcoholism and drug addiction and immorality, prisons of debt, prisons of hopelessness. And he has sent you to declare freedom to the prisoners. I am so glad today that we're in a church that welcomes everybody. It doesn't matter where you're from or where you came from. You don't know how many Sunday mornings there are people walking into this congregation who maybe just got out of prison that morning, literally. But I'm here because we are to declare freedom to the prisoners. Freedom to the captives. Oh, come on, it's time to recognize the love of Jesus does not discriminate between your past, your background, your skin color, your language, your culture. It's for all of us. And that's what we're supposed to be sharing. And then thirdly, he says, I've come to bring recovery of sight to the blind. He means both physically and spiritually. Now listen, when you're praying for someone who has a physical ailment, You need to first be sure that they want to be healed. You say, what are you talking about? Why wouldn't people want to be? There's some people that don't. So don't pray for something they don't want. Make sure that what they want aligns with the will of God and then pray a prayer of faith and watch what happens. I've told you about the blind lady and the Baptist preacher in Nuevo Casas Grandes, Mexico years ago. He laid his hands on her, and in an instant, God opened her eyes, because that's what she desired. Well, come on, he said, the recovery of sight to the blind, both spiritually and physically, as the Spirit of God begins to flow through your life. And then he says, you're anointed to release the oppressed. All around us, people are oppressed. We spent the last week and a half with men and women that are oppressed. Oppressed by haunting memories from their past. Oppressed by things they have done since they returned from war. Oppressed by bad decisions and poor choices. Oppressed by sin. I can go on and on and on and on. Do you understand that God wants you to be a source of release to those who are oppressed? A source of release to those who are oppressed. All around you, there are people who are oppressed. And God wants us to be that source of release, to set them free. How can I illustrate that from Scripture very easily? John chapter 4, there was a woman that Jesus met at the well. She had been married five times. The guy she was living with now wasn't even her husband. Jesus read her mail to her. 
And then she realized he was the Messiah. She went back into the city. She told all the men, come and see the one who's told me everything that I've ever done. This is the Christ. Oh, hear me. When you release someone that's oppressed, it revolutionizes their life. Would you please move in the ministry of release and allow people's lives to be changed? You have that power as a born-again, spirit-filled believer, as the Holy Spirit flows through you to see people released from oppression. I think of Peter. He had just denied Jesus three times. Failed him completely. In that moment, the spirit of fear had him under complete control. And after he denied Jesus, then failure overwhelmed him. Guilt and shame began to take a hold of his life. Some of you in this room this morning are right where Peter was at. Guilt and shame are dominating you. Failure has overwhelmed you. You know you've done something that you wish you would never have done, that you could only get past it, get beyond it, forget it ever happened. I've got great news for you. There is one whose name is Jesus. He is a redeemer. His blood washes us from all sin. He forgives us and cleanses us. He forget it, forgets it ever happened, and he allows us to move on. He wants to release you in this place today. What happened after Jesus raised from the dead? He looked at Peter. He had a conversation with him. He said, Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. What was he saying? He said, Peter, my mission for you hasn't changed. In spite of your failure, in spite of you giving in, my mission, somebody needs to hear this this morning. You have set yourself on the bench saying, I failed and God can't use me. I've come to tell you, he wants to release you from the past, release you from the shame, release you from the frustration, release you from the failure, and put you back on the field today. Today, he wants to release you. And then Jesus said, I have come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What am I to do with the power of the Holy Ghost? I'm to declare favor and grace. Oh, folks, I'm not supposed to sit in judgment, but rather I'm supposed to show the favor of God and the grace of God to all those that are around me. Not just to the ones I like. You mean you don't like some of us? I didn't say that. You just figure it out yourself. Not just to the ones I like, but to all those that God puts in my path. Grace and favor. Grace and favor were to show, proclaim the Lord's favor and God's grace into hearts and lives. Acts 10, 37 and 38, you don't have this one. Uh, I'm just going to read it to you. You know what's happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. So how do we describe that year of favor? It's right there in that statement. He went around doing good. You see, when we're walking in the favor of God and showing the favor and the grace of God, we do some good things for those that are around us. Some amazing things. Matter of fact, when we look at that phrase, doing good from the Greek, it only occurs twice in the New Testament. And it means a philanthropist or a benefactor. Vines defines it this way, to bestow a benefit. So what is it telling me? It tells me that this gifting of the Holy Spirit, when we seek the giver first rather than the gift, 
This gifting of the Holy Spirit is not just for preaching or for witnessing or for working miracles or to setting demonics free, but this gifting of the Holy Spirit is to enable us, to empower us, to be benefactors, those who do good to those around us. Wow, that's revolutionary. I bet you never heard that in a Pentecostal church. All they ever talked about was the gift of tongues and interpretation or prophecy or word of wisdom or word of knowledge. I've come to tell you the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate in you and through you so that you can do the same things that Jesus did. And Jesus went about doing good. Oh, come on, folks. It's time to make that our motto. I'm going to be a benefactor. I'm going to do good to somebody who needs it today. The anointing, the gifting of God is not just for healing and preaching and witnessing and delivering and miracle working power, but it's to touch lives of people right where they live by doing good, by doing good, by showing them grace and favor. Finally, that anointing, it enables us to hear, it enables us to discern, it enables us to hold the truth of Jesus Christ as the only relevant thing in our lives. Do you realize that much of our media mocks Jesus and his church? Much of our elite in America mock mock Jesus and his church. But I've got news for you. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter the positions they hold or the opinions they espouse. I know one thing. There is one Lord, one God, one Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He and He alone will I be committed to. He and He alone will I follow. He and He alone will I listen to. Oh, come on. There is still one way, one truth, one life, and His name is Jesus. It's time for the church to be bold and to step up. It's time for the church to be involved in holding and proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's anointing enables us to do that very thing. The gifts of the Holy Spirit enable us to do that very thing. So when we place the emphasis upon the giver rather than upon the gift, we begin to see the presence and the power of God flow through and operate in our lives. A few weeks ago, I don't know, three or four, I don't remember how long at this point, I was walking up the plaza, and we have come to the point here where we just keep the doors locked during the week because we've had so much difficulty and challenge. You know, I've been threatened and spit on, and people tell me they're going to shoot me and all this kind of stuff, so it's easier just to lock the doors, and then I don't have to get mad. You know what I mean? Just easier to do it. I get enough of it when I go out the doors. A few weeks ago, I was walking back up the plaza, and There was a young lady, probably 30-something, late 20s, trying to get in the doors. And I said, ma'am, can I help you? She said, yes, God just told me I needed to come here. Well, come on in. And uh, we had ladies in the office. Yvonne was there and Angela and Sadie and uh, maybe Diana, you may have been there. I can't remember. There were several ladies there. I have a rule. I don't meet with women by myself. It's just not wise, not smart. So I set her down in the reception area, went and got the ladies because she wanted prayer. And as she began to tell us her story, she was suicidal, ready to take her life right then and right there. She had a plan. She had already figured it out. 
And I just stepped back and watched, and I was so enthralled as these ladies gathered around her. Jessica, you were there as well. They began praying for her, praying over her, and you could almost see that oppressive spirit begin to lift. Why? Because we are called to release the oppressed. Come on, church. Every day you're going to walk through doors and rub shoulders with people who are oppressed by the devil. All you have to do is be bold enough to say, can I pray for you? Be bold enough to say, can I listen to you? Will you tell me your story? Because when they begin to tell you the story, God begins to move in their lives. Would you please understand, when we seek the giver rather than the gift, the gifts begin to flow. But if we place emphasis upon the gifts, not on the giver, we never see anything and we begin manufacturing things. Let me put it this way. We begin making up things. We begin telling tales that have no basis in reality so we can prove how mighty we are in God. If we will simply humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Jesus, more than anything, I want you. More than anything, I want to be used by you. More than anything, let me make a difference in those I touch. Stand to your feet with me this morning. When we place value on the giver, not the gift, it opens the door for God to accomplish amazing things in and through our lives. When we choose to think outside of the normal box of religion, Sunday morning service, Wednesday night service, it opens the door for God to do amazing things through our lives. This morning, I want to do something a little bit different. I don't know that I've ever done this since we've been here. But this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. I want every elder and deacon, leader and teacher, if you're involved in ministry, to come and stand across the front and face me. Right now. We don't need music. Right now. Tom will get there. If you're a leader in this church, an elder, a deacon, you're involved in ministry, come and face me, please. Not the congregation. Turn around and face me. Every one of you. If you're here and you're involved in ministry. Tom, you can play whatever you want to play. I don't care. (laughs) And in just a minute, you're going to respond. So don't move. Don't leave. We're not finished. This morning, the Holy Spirit said, anoint each one of them. And release them. Release them. Release them. Release them. This is our leadership. Release them to do what I've called them to do. Release them to be who I've called them to be. Release them to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So that's what I'm going to do. As Tom begins to sing, I'm going to anoint you. I'm not praying for you. I'm just anointing you. And you let the Holy Spirit do a work in your life. And then you're going to turn around and the people out here who need to be released, who need freedom, who need liberty, are going to stand in front of you and you're going to flow in the gifts of God. The Holy Spirit's going to flow through your life and you're going to see great things occur. Let's believe Him for it right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we anoint leadership this morning. We release them into your service. We give them power from on high. Do your work in hearts and in lives. We release them right now. We release them from the past. We release them from the shame. We release them from the failure. 
We release them from the errors and the mistakes. We release them to serve you. We release them to be empowered from on high. We release them to know you, to serve you, to love you, to experience you. We release them right now. In the name of Jesus, now let the power of the Most High God fall upon their hearts and fall upon their lives. Let the power of the Spirit of God begin moving and operating as never before. Let your anointing flow through their spirits, flow through their hearts. Give them courage and give them boldness. God, let them operate in the gifts that you have given to us so the hearts and lives may be radically transformed and radically changed. We release them, we empower them, and we send them in the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we release them. Release them. We release them today. In the name of Jesus, anointing fall on us. Anointing fall on us. Anointing fall on us. Now, every one of you turn around and face the congregation. You're in this room this morning, and you came in carrying a burden. I don't know what it is. It's none of my business. It's between you and God. But you have something that you need help with today. And you're going to come and you're going to stand in front of these. You're going to tell them what you need. And they're going to pray for your needs specifically. Some in this room, you need salvation. Some in this room, you need deliverance. Some you need healing. Some you need to be released from oppression. No matter who you are or what your need is, there is no shame. This is your opportunity for God to set you free. So as Tom begins to sing, I want you to step out and come and stand in front of one of these people. They're going to pray for you. God's going to use them. The power of the Holy Ghost is going to flow. And you will leave, not as you came, but you will leave touched by the power of God. Your life revolutionized by Him. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.